Anyone who thinks running Vacation Bible School is easy has never done it. I'll be honest with you. It's hard work, and it isn't for the faint of heart. You may have to stay up late to prep crafts, cook a million hot dogs, I need 100 cupcakes delivered, A-S-A-P, or go all out transforming, remodeling, turning your church into an Arctic wonderland, or a submarine, or a fantastical forest. We need crafts, we need songs, we need games. You might work yourself silly training teachers and helpers. You might drive yourself hoo-hoo with VBS songs. They get stuck in your brain. And when the big week is finally finished, you might even collapse into a VBS-induced coma. But you do it anyway. You go the extra mile to learn every kid's name, play every game, sing every song, and teach every Bible story. Not because it's fun. It isn't always fun. Not because it's easy. It isn't always easy. Not because you have to. It's easier to not do VBS at all. You do VBS because it's worth it. Sharing the gospel with kids is always worth it. Help us make this summer's VBS a success. I did pretty awesome that time. <laughs>
Hello. Uh, we're going to be reading out of Psalm 46. Um, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth, how he makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let us pray. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. We thank you for the mercies and blessings that you have shown on us each and every day. And we pray that if anybody here today does not know your son Jesus, that you would open up their eyes to see and their ears to hear, Lord. Just continue to bless this church and this epic ministry. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.
seated. Just to reiterate uh, something that Jordan said, uh, right after this service, even if you didn't plan to stay, we want you to come uh, down to the core. We've got lunch ready for you, and we want to tell you all about Vacation Bible School, uh, give you different areas where you can actually serve and be a part of that. So uh, again, even if you didn't plan to stay, please come be a part of that right after uh, this morning's service. If you have your copy of God's Word, turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Pastor Scott has been on vacation this week. Please pray for him and Connie as they travel back. They were gone for Sutton's third birthday. Can you believe it? He's already three. Uh, and we've got uh, Paul Paul and Cece on their way back. And so you be praying for them uh, as they make their way back that they'll have a safe trip. Uh, he will be back in the Foundation Series next Sunday. Thank you to our epic band. This group has been leading us on Sunday nights uh, each week since the first of the year. That service is down in the core on Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. And you think, well, that's late. That seems late. But this age group has just finished work. The games are all over. Uh, they're cranked up and looking for something to do. And I can't think of a better thing to do than to come together as a group and study God's word together and worship. Amen. And so they do that at 9 o'clock. We'd Love to have you guys come visit with us sometimes. If you want to 
pop in. We do have some of our more mature adults. Notice I said mature adults. Come sometimes and uh, visit with us. So we would love to have you anytime come and visit with us there. Uh, we're seeing visitors on a regular basis. So if you know of a young adult that would be interested in being a part of that, please invite them. A lot of times your server at the restaurant is in that age group. Uh, we have a lot of colleges in the area. And so invite them to come be a part of that. I do want to thank you for letting us have a ministry like this at Pitts Baptist Church. There's not very many churches uh, that have a ministry to college and young adults. And so to be able to have this, uh, we appreciate that. And thank you to our Epic Young Adults for you guys, uh, all that you do in serving our church. And uh, they do it with passion. If you're up on the children's wing on some Sundays, one of these, today was one of those days, uh, the entire children's wing is staffed with our Epic Young Adults teaching our children's area. We encourage them to not just come and sit and soak, but to come worship one, to work one, and to walk one. And so we do all those things together with them to help disciple them, to worship, and ask them to also exercise their gifts and work here at the church. When you see them doing that, encourage them, uh, and I know you will. So this morning, I don't know about you, but I have had to take a break from watching the news. Sure, I catch bits and pieces of the news here and there, but in a lot of ways, I have stepped back, taken a deep breath, and I think my ulcer is about to heal up. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but really, we are faced right now with some crazy times, with some crazy times going on. You know, you used to be able to, and I, I, I'm on the Lord's side, but pick a side and kind of know where people stood. I don't even know how many sides there are anymore. You know, agreeing to disagree is not even the thing anymore. And there is absolutely no more room for healthy debate. You can't say anything. It's kind of crazy. But here's what I can hold on to. I want to encourage you this morning. Josh read it in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. Amen? God is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear. In Mark 4, Jesus is teaching parables. There's the parable of the soils. If you want to write some things down next to that, I'd encourage you to go back and read these later. We can't go through each one. Uh, the parable of the soils. These four different soils represent four different ways that people receive God's word or his instruction. We want to be that good, fertile soil. There's the parable of the lamp. We would never think of, of hiding a lamp or the light of a lamp. God's love, namely for us, the gospel, is a message to share, not to hide. And then there's the parable of the growing seed. Seeds are planted, take root, grow into a large plant, and then produce fruit. How does that happen? Uh, it is the way God designed it. We do, uh, we do what we know to do when it comes to planting. What do we do? We, we till the soil and nourish the soil. We, we plant the seed at the right depth in the soil in the, the right time of year. We make sure it's watered and tended to. We pull the weeds out that would maybe choke that plant. Fruits and vegetables are then harvested at the right time and prepared for food. Farming and tending a garden is hard work. But verse 27 tells us that we really don't know how a little seed 
a little seed put in the ground becomes something like a delicious watermelon or a, a summer squash that my wife fries up in the, the frying pan and it's delicious. We don't know how that happens. In the same way, God is at work in nature. He is at work in his kingdom. We need to be faithful with our part, sowing the gospel, watering it and tending it, sharing and living God's love with truth to our neighbors so that when God speaks to their heart, when the Holy Spirit convicts them, we are ready to share. They are ready to believe. And real fruit is produced. That leads into the parable of the mustard seed. This little seed becomes a huge tree that birds build their nests in. Again, Jesus compares this to the work being done in the kingdom of God. God wants to work with fertile soil. We mentioned that in the first one. Or those that let his word change them so that God's message goes into them deep and it is multiplied. God wants us to let our lamp shine. Don't hide what God has done for you. Put it out there on a lampstand. God wants us to sow the seed, share the gospel. We don't know how God is going to work in people's lives around us. Your words about the gospel, your encouragement about what God is doing for you, one little word about Jesus might just be the very thing, the final straw that breaks that person's will and they run to Jesus. You may be thinking, Kevin, is that really a big deal? Me saying something about my faith or me telling someone that I'm praying for them during a hardship and actually doing that. It's just a little thing. A little mustard seed, though, being worked in the kingdom of God. It's big. Do it. Say it. Jesus had them all seated around, teaching them, discipling them. How awesome would that have been to be a disciple being poured into by the very Son of God? But then he stops. Teaching time was done. It was time for a test. Didn't you love it when the teacher would pull a pop quiz? Think about that for a minute. I distinctly remember one of my teachers that would do that. We started catching on, though, when she would say, okay, let's turn back in our notes and do a review of everything we've studied thus far, and let's look at it. We'd go through it, and we were ready she was about to say it, okay, put away your notes and take out a pen. Bad feeling, right? Hopefully, you were paying attention. You weren't back there daydreaming. You went, what? Or in my day, it would have been like you were passing notes. You, you young people, we didn't even have cell phones. It wasn't even a thing. We'd be passing. All you guys do now is text, right? You're across the classroom. Hopefully, you weren't doing that. You were paying attention because here comes a pop quiz. Jesus says to the disciples, put your notes away, take out your pen. We have a test. Let's begin in verse 35. Would you with me? It says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, 
asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? God, we come before you this morning. There are tests, probably right now in this room, in the lives of people who are here. God, why? And sometimes a better question than that test is what? What is it that you're trying to teach us? God, I pray as we study this passage this morning that we would be encouraged that God, you are there with us in the storm. That God, you are all powerful. That you give us faith confidence by who you are. Let us be encouraged by that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus and the disciples are on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Anybody been there? I know Steve, some of you folks have been there. We've actually got a couple pictures. If you, the guys in the booth could show a couple of those uh, on the Sea of Galilee. Really more like the size of what we would say a lake than a sea. Uh, but it's nestled in a deep valley at almost 700 feet below sea level. We need to remember that in this group of disciples, there were, there were uh, several fishermen, at least Peter, James, and John. They knew how to navigate the sea. They grew up working on the sea. Did they not see the storm coming? I mean, it's a pretty bad storm. Did they not see it coming? Did they not see the weather signs that would have told them, hold on, let's let this storm pass by, and then we'll get in the boats and go. But what you don't get as you just read over this text are the unusual climate and weather conditions that you experience at the Sea of Galilee. Being in the valley, surrounded by large mountains, you're not able to see off long distances of a storm that could be brewing very close by. The word to describe the storm in verse 37 is windstorm, but a better description of the original word would be a whirlwind, which coming through this tight valley over warm water probably took on the characteristics of a hurricane on the water. That's frightening to think about. We know they're concerned for their lives, these fishermen who lived on the sea by what they say to Jesus in verse 38. Do you not care that we are perishing? Folks, when we consider who Jesus is, what he has asked them to do, and how they respond, it is even more clear that this is a test. A test of their faith. Now, we are currently studying biblical foundations with Pastor Scott on Sunday mornings. He spoke on the Trinity last Sunday. Uh, when we look at Jesus, he'll get there. When we look at Jesus, God the Son, we will see that he is all-knowing. The big word is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows everything. When Jesus asked them to get in that boat, to go to the other side, he knew that storm was coming. We also learn that Jesus is all-powerful. The big word there, omnipotent. It is possible that Jesus could have even called up the storm while he was on that boat. Either way, Jesus knew it was coming. 
Is it possible God could be bringing storms into your life as a test? Yes. Yes. You say, wait a minute, I thought God was loving. The Bible even says that God is love. But is it possible that our definition of love is not God's definition of love? (laughs) You're right. A whole lot better. Think about this. It is written through, uh, all through Scripture that this is not always the way God loves and blesses us. We want the, the warm, fuzzy, American dream, be blessed and comfortable, retire healthy and wealthy kind of love from God, don't we? God doesn't always love that way. Listen to James 1, 2 through 4. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What do those trials do for us? They strengthen us. They make us better. They make us better followers of Jesus. We have to be careful how we view God's blessing. You know, to God, it's much more about our maturity than our money. Think about that for a minute. It's so easy for me to miss this, and I often have to remind myself, when is my prayer life the strongest? When am I passionately seeking the face of God? Is it when everything is hitting on all cylinders? Or is it when I'm faced with that life-threatening storm? Spiritual maturity does not let human successes or failures affect its relationship with God. Think about that. Spiritual maturity is consistent. You know, I'm getting better at this as I get older, but folks, I've got a long way to go. Are you with me? Got a long way to go. Jesus knew the storm was coming. He still asked them to get in the boat. They obey, and there's no indication in the passage that there's anybody contesting. We still want to think that every storm that comes in our life is a punishment for direct disobedience. There are those, but there is no indication of that right here. They were obeying. They were doing exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. Sometimes God brings storms simply to test you, even obedient you. Jesus could have told them, get in the boat. He sent them out. Go in the storm alone. We need to remember that if we have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he goes with us. Through the storm. Let's get a little bit of encouragement here, right? He goes through us, or through the storm, with us. I would encourage you to read Psalm 139 later today and on a regular basis. What an awesome encouragement that God wants to be involved in our everyday. It's on the back of your study sheet. If you look, there's a section there called Digging Deeper, and I would love for you to take that with you. We do that in Epic every week, and our students take that, and Instead of forgetting about what they've learned in the lesson, they take that home and they read through some of those other passages to really solidify some of the things we talked about in worship. I want to encourage you to do that. Read Psalm 139. One of the, probably my favorite, if not one of my favorites, my favorite chapter in the Bible. What an encouragement. And I encourage you to read it. Listen to Colossians 127. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Here's the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope 
of glory. It is a mystery to us how the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, but it's not a mystery to God. God is right there with us, but what we do when we, what do we do when we face, we're faced with a storm? What do we do? We grab a bucket and start bailing. We tie ourselves off to the mast. We row harder. We do everything in our own power to save ourselves. And the maker of the universe and everything we know and see is with us. He was with them. Right over there. What was he doing? Sleeping. Sleeping. I don't know how, but Jesus was sleeping. A few summers ago, uh, we were at the Outer Banks. And one of my sons said, Dad, can we do some offshore fishing? I'm like, great. He said, I'm going to plan it. I said, great. He said, here's how much it costs. I'll pay half. I wanted to go. I'd never done that. I was excited about it. So he lined it all up. We got up that morning, went, grabbed some breakfast real quick, and headed down to the dock. In my mind, I'm picturing this, guys, a big, humongous boat. You know, I'm going to be out in like 100 feet of water over this like railing in calm waters pulling in a 50-pound tuna. That's what I'm doing. That wasn't it. We got there, and it was about a 28-foot maybe boat, this little thing, with, with the captain only, one, one, one crew member. And we were going to be standing close to shore. So we, we were not having much luck. But all of a sudden, the captain said, oh, look over there. And he saw all these birds flying around above the, the coast. It was near an island, fairly close. And so he said, guys, there it is. We got a big catch. I can tell you, there's a big school over there. This guy knew his stuff because he'd been out there every day. And he wanted to catch fish because he wants people to keep coming, right? So he saw it, and he's like, okay, we're going to head over that direction. When we get over there, guys, cast your reel in as quick as you can. And I mean, yank it. you're going to be yanking stuff in as fast as you can. We were all excited. We're like, yeah, all right, we're going to catch some fish. So he heads over there. And guys, we weren't, I mean, we weren't probably 20 yards off of shore. And what's going on 20 yards off of shore? I mean, the waves... That thing was tossing up and down, and he wanted us to cast her. I, I'm trying to get my footing. I'm like wedging here and here, and the boat's going like this, and I'm going, uh, and I think I may have caught one fish. I don't know. I was just like a mess, trying not to hook somebody that was around me. And guys, all of us rookies, I mean, you should have seen us. We were green. <laughs> I was sick as a dog. I was like, oh, my goodness. Not necessarily the fun day of yanking in a 40 or 50-pound tuna that I was thinking about. We had fun. We caught several. But man, I'm thinking when I, on this passage in this storm, this boat going up, down, banging around. How in the world was Jesus asleep? Maybe in his foreknowledge of the outcome, he was able to sleep because he knew they were going to the other side. He already told them, let's go to the other side. In his ability to control nature, was he unafraid and just able to sleep? Or in reality, was this part of the test? You don't want to think maybe that Jesus was over there maybe playing a little bit of possum. We don't know. It doesn't tell us. I'm taking some creative license. But maybe he's laying over there thinking, are they ever going to wake me up? Are they ever going to come and talk to me about this problem? Finally, as they feel like the boat's about to sink and they're about to die, they go, hey, maybe we ought to ask Jesus. Hello? Right? The disciples and we do everything in our power to try and remedy our situations first, don't we? 
And as a last resort, we turn to the one who created by spoken word. He should be our first option, not our last resort. Amen? But then we start thinking, isn't faith an action? Shouldn't I be actively involved in what is going on here? When do I move? I mean, Joshua, the pastor said, be still and know that I am God. When do I wait and be still? Both are instructed in Scripture. If we have a real relationship with God, all we need to do is ask. Ask. God, I don't know what to do here. Will you show me if I need to move or I just need to wait? Give me wisdom. I need help. Parents, can I challenge you here a moment? I got to an age as a teenager when I would ask my dad if I could have permission to do something that my friends were asking me to be involved in. These were potential things that have, could have been questionable for a believer. He could have easily looked at me and just said, Kevin, no, you're not going. You're not doing that. Don't think about it. Don't ask me again. But instead, he would say, why don't you pray about it? Just tell me no, Dad, so I can be mad at you. Pray about it. What was he doing, though? He was teaching me to seek God's will and God's wisdom when it came to making decisions. What's our first reaction to seeing our kids heading toward a storm? Remove it. Take it away. If they've already made a mess, what do we do? We quickly clean it up. We shelter them. We pad the landing because we know this is going to hurt. What are we teaching them here? Your actions don't have consequences, but even more dangerous, you don't need to exercise your faith. I'll do the heavy lifting for you. What happens when we're gone? Are they going to ever think to wake up Jesus? Let your children struggle with age-appropriate decisions and then deal with the consequences or the successes. Start early. Nudge them a little bit. Don't you think you ought to pray about that? What do you think Jesus would want you to do in this situation? Don't ask me. Ask him. Start nudging him toward that, folks. Look back at verse 38. Does it seem like God's silence during our storm is a result of not caring for us? I think we think that sometimes. God is silent. He's asleep. Boy, when we're in the middle of that storm, it sure does. But look at what Jesus does. Look back at verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? What have we been talking about? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Why are you so afraid? Wrong fear brings us to a faith crisis. Right fear brings us to faith confidence. Faith confidence. 
to continue to live in fear of the circumstances around us goes against our faith. We should never gamble with our lives, being reckless or taking unnecessary chances. But when we continue to allow fear to grip us or to keep us from what we know in our hearts we should be doing, it becomes a matter of faith. The faith of a tiny mustard seed, but planted in the kingdom of God, can develop into a God-sized tree. Do you have a little faith? Just a little. Know this, we've been talking about already, that Jesus has power over nature. That ought to give us faith. Mark 5, 1 through 20, we're not going to read the whole thing. Uh, Know that Jesus has power over demons. I'm going to turn over. Actually, I won't. I'll let you read it later. The the people feared this possessed man that was out of control and lived in the cemetery. That's kind of scary. But what was their fear now? The one who cast out the demons. It says they had great fear. They saw the man sitting there in his right mind, his hair combed and right clothes eating. And they had greater fear when they saw him now because they knew Somebody who was more powerful than him cast those demons, that legion of demons, out of him. Who's that? That's pretty scary. And they saw Jesus, and you know what they did? Instead of going to him and finding out about who he was, they said, would you please leave us? Leave. They were in great fear of Jesus. Here's another way to have confident faith. Know that Jesus has power over death. Right here in Mark 5, Jesus raises Jairus' daughter. Amazing story. It's listed there on the back. Here's another one. Know that Jesus has power over disease. Jesus heals a woman with a 12-year-old blood disorder. Power over nature. Power over demons. Power over death. Power over disease. What should that do for our faith? It ought to strengthen it this morning. Do me a favor. Take out your cell phones. We normally tell you to put them away at church. Unless you're using it for your Bible. But pull it out. Under your utility section, it's on the third screen for me, is a compass app. It's, it's, I'm going to go ahead and open mine. You can open yours. It kind of looks like that when you open it. I was talking to Kevin and Jonathan this week, and they were like, I don't even realize there was a compass app on my phone. But go ahead and open that up for just a minute. You got your phone? Open your, open your compass app. I'm going to give you a quick lesson. There's a, big, there's a big needle. There's a cross in the middle with a big needle at the top, and there's a, a red arrow that shows you where north is. So what we want to do is get the big needle lined up with the red north at zero degrees, and that's going to show us where north is. So where are you guys? Point at north. I'm looking almost at Ned or, or Drew right here in your guys' line. You guys, for me anyway, from my reference point, north is right there. So that would make east over here at Dustin, you know, west over here this way and south going this way. How does that work on your phone? Well, there's a thing, and I looked it up on the internet. I'm, gonna, I'm not a geek. I looked it up. I'm like, how does that work? Because you don't have to have cell service to have it. There's a magnetometer, I think that's the word, in your phone 
that actually logs on to magnetic fields like a traditional conventional compass. Kind of cool. Now, why, why would you need to have that? Because you guys now, when you go somewhere, you just ask. Give me directions to so-and-so, and the thing starts talking to you, right? But what happens? You know, I used to look at, like, landmarks when I was going places. I still do that some. But, man, if I get lost, I just hit the home button, right? And we're headed home. But what if you don't have cell service? Uh-oh. Either you're out in the boondocks or a cell tower's down. You can take out your phone, doesn't need cell service, get your compass app, and know if you're headed the absolute wrong direction and save a lot of time and effort and energy and say, oh, car's going wrong. We gotta, we're going the wrong way. But what if you're out in the woods? Well, I've been out in the woods sometimes. You get back in there pretty deep, and every tree starts looking the same. Sun's up maybe at noon, and you're going, I don't know where I, compass app, boop, I knew where I came from, where I, I can just head right back in that direction, boom, I'm there. Now, what does that uh, indicate, that mag magnet? It's magnetic north. And believe it or not, magnetic north can change slightly. If there are seismic issues under the Earth's core going on, shifts happening down there, it has changed pretty drastically at times. Not very often, but usually it's pretty reliable. But do you know there's also something called true north? That is a spot that is on the globe. It doesn't change, it doesn't move, and it's used for mapping, for precision. It is true north. I want you to think a minute how that relates to us. It may seem like we are experiencing seismic cultural shifts. But I want to challenge you to keep your eyes fixed on true north found in Jesus Christ. Listen to Hebrews 12, 1b and 2. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Some translations say, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Aren't you glad that God is constant? We can have faith. We can trust in him. We can fix our eyes on Jesus. The band is going to come back, and they're going to lead us in a closing song. The front is open if you'd like to pray. Myself and, self and others will be down front if you need to speak to someone or pray with someone. Is there something going on in your life right now that has you gripped by fear? And it's put your faith in crisis. Remember who Jesus is. Are you here this morning and you're afraid because in your heart you know you've never really made a decision to become a follower, a child of God? We'd love to talk to you about that. We'll be down front. Will you stand with me as we pray? God, fear is a powerful thing. It can shake us to our cores. But God, we need to understand you're with us on the boat. 
And as we are being tossed and turned, the one who made those waves, the one who made the wood to fashion that boat is with us. We don't have to fear. God, thank you for who you are in us that believe. Thank you for the reminder. But God, there is somebody here who doesn't know Jesus. God, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would speak to their heart right now. That they would not wait, that they would run to assure they know Jesus. God, whatever the need is this morning in this place, I pray that you'd work in hearts. God, as we sing, let us lift up these things to you and praise you for who you are, God. And all of God's people said,